Mr. Manager, I'm going to open the floor for your 2020 budget presentation. Uh, thank you, Mayor. I'll, I'll start with a little bit of a, a process conversation just to tell you uh, where we go from, from this evening and then jump into the actual presentation. But um, uh, obviously, we'll uh, propose the budget this evening. You'll have your first uh, work session uh, next Tuesday, the 2nd, which will be on the operating budget. Uh, we'll come back on the 9th. Excuse me, that, that'll be on the CIP. We'll come back on the 9th for a conversation on the operating budget. And that's really the chance for you all to do your kind of your deep dives on those uh, those two budgets and get a sense of if there's something that we've put in here that you, you don't want in here or something that we didn't put in that you do want in here. It's a chance for us to start to hear uh, what that looks like or, or and a chance for you all to get some clarifications. Uh, we'll have our public hearing at Granby High School on the uh, 10th of April. And then on the 23rd, we'll come back and start to, to reconcile. I, I'm collecting a list already from some conversations with each of you. We'll get some more information during these work sessions and then share with you on the 23rd where we think things are going. And then we'll come back on the 7th of May for the reconciliation and then look for you all uh, to adopt the budget on the 14th of May. So that's our process. Um, in terms of the, the uh, 2020 budget, Mayor Alexander, Vice Mayor Thomas, Members of Council, uh, I'm pleased to stand before you this evening to present the City Manager's budget proposal for fiscal year 2020. Um, this proposed budget builds on the bold initiatives we began last year and focuses on strengthening our capacity to do great things and to do them well. Shortly, I will share with you how the ripple effect of last year's real estate tax increase is making profound improvements for our schools, our ability to provide core services, and our community. We're able to take care of what we have, catch up on capital improvements, and plan for transfer, transformational projects, like a revitalized and resilient St. Paul's area and Ohio Creek neighborhood, and an innovative and inclusive transportation approach that ensures we have safe and healthy streets for everyone. Our residents are enjoying new parks, new amenities, and open space in the neighborhoods. We plan for new resources to tackle climate change, enhance lifelong learning, and embrace diversity and inclusion. We have a strategic plan to guide us, new departments to lead us, and we are building partnerships for regional strength. We have greater capacity to change the today than in years past, and let me show you how. With the proposed 2020 budget funds, uh, while the proposed 20 budget funds new policy initiatives, it also continues the earnest work of implementing the bold initiatives made possible with last year's real estate tax increase. So it's important that before we, we review the details of the new budget, we provide an update on the progress we have made. Norfolk Public Schools received a $5 million boost to their base budget last year, which allowed them to begin implementing their recently completed pay and compensation study. We also implemented a new revenue sharing formula, which improves the stability and predictability of school funding and allows the conversation between the schools and the city to focus less on funding and more on collaboration. <clears throat> the formula also allows our schools to benefit when our revenues grow. We maintain level funding for the Norfolk Police Department in fiscal year 19, which allowed them to implement a third academy in anticipation of an increase in officer retirements. And the city has achieved historic double-digit reductions in crime two years in a row. And the penny dedicated for resilience is being invested in crucial stormwater projects, including a master plan for stormwater in St. Paul's and flood reduction projects at the Virginia Beach Boulevard underpass and on Brambleton Avenue. We are also making strong investments in the technology, vehicles, and equipment that are essential to providing core services. Over the last year, we've restarted the hardware refresh program and have ordered 105 vehicles and pieces of equipment. Beginning last January, we also provided strategic market adjustments, a general wage increase for all general and constitutional officer employees, and a step increase for all sworn police and fire employees. And of course, the transformational work in St. Paul's continues to progress. With People First Services underway and the city achieving finalist status for the $30 million Choice Neighborhood Initiatives grant. Moving forward into the 20 budget, you'll notice the continuation of these themes as these investments continue to remain priorities for the city. This past year, we've also seen some real successes in a number of policy areas. At the end of last year's budget presentation, we laid out a list of what's next for Norfolk. And I'm pleased to say that we've made real progress. 
We've designed a five-year strategic plan using diverse interdepartmental teams that provided invaluable perspectives about what it will take to move our city forward. The plan focuses on five major areas, connecting and engaging our residents, strengthening our infrastructure, fostering collaboration and efficiency, cultivating the arts, and promoting inclusive economic growth. We will begin implementing the strategic plan along with the, 20, with the fiscal year 2020 budget. The inclusive economic growth section outlines the strategy to prepare our residents for a rapidly changing economy. This strategy lays out the goals of growth, prosperity, and inclusion that are key to ensuring that all residents benefit from Norfolk's success. Alongside the strategic plan, we will roll out new organizational values which focus on a culture of innovation and creative problem solving. We want Team Norfolk employees to think big, be great, and have fun. To help our employees prepare for the future by saving pre-tax dollars, we made changes to our retirement program, including auto enrollment in, our per in the personal 457 retirement accounts. We are also discussing our options with the Virginia Retirement System. As a resilient city, we think about our future. Part of our future includes how we move people safely and how we connect our residents to jobs. This is why we created a new Department of Transit. Our new, director, our new Transit Director, Amy Inman, and her team have already started a plan that will serve as a blueprint for a people-centered and safety-minded multimodal transportation system. The management assessment of the Recreation Parks and Open Space Department has also been completed, which makes performance and structure recommendations to strengthen and redefine that department. That assessment will be presented to you at an upcoming work session. And finally, we have worked collaboratively with Norfolk Public Schools and other key stakeholders to explore future career technical education opportunities in Norfolk schools. And you'll notice that this check mark is yellow. That is because while we have collaborated with the school system and discussed potential actions, we have not made any decisions on the future of career and technical education. As we move into the next budget year, we will continue to work in these areas. So now let's move on to the 2020 budget overview. I want to be clear up front, this budget includes no changes to any of our tax rates. It does increase fees to continue recycling and equalizes the stormwater rates between commercial and residential property owners. The 2020 proposed financial plan totals nearly $1.4 billion. And it is made up, as you can see, of the general fund, enterprise funds, special revenue funds, and internal service funds, which make up the total operating budget of $1.23 billion. Add to that the capital improvement plan, annual recurring grants, and the annual plan for HUD block grants, and you get the total of $1.4 billion. So let's talk about balancing the budget. You'll recall that we started this budget season with an $8.2 million budget gap. And internally, we took the time to evaluate central strategies like additional debt savings and position-based budgeting. While those strategies provided the ability to balance the budget, New initiatives required us to find even more efficiencies within departments. I should note that we did not request reduction strategies from our public safety departments, constitutional offices, nor council appointees. However, all organizations were analyzed to identify savings. Most savings were generated through decisions to reduce or realign services, increase energy efficiency, use technology to create savings, or adjust fund funding based on utilization. And the full list of savings can be found in the, in the departmental strategies section of the budget book, but I've highlighted a few of the reductions here. Importantly, we do have a small number of people impacted by this budget, and they were, made, they were made aware last week, and we are providing them with the resources to ensure a smooth transition. We will consolidate the services provided by the Office to End Homelessness under the Norfolk Community Services Board, and while the city will maintain its initiative, political support, and partnerships to end homelessness, we no longer need to maintain a separate department. We also looked at expenses related to our facilities. We will reduce the city's internal office construction program, limiting departments to only must-do projects. And low traffic facilities will see reduced custodial services. Reduced custodial services is something we piloted over the last year, and it has been successful. Over the next year, we will take a harder look at, at city facilities. We need to make sure that we are thoughtful about planning our facilities in a way that reduces costs and meets the needs of our residents. As you know, budgeting is a year-round process, which means we're always looking for efficiencies. 
I want to highlight two city programs known as Agile Norfolk and Gain Sharing, which teach, which teach our employees how to find efficiencies, present those ideas to leadership, and in the case of gain sharing, be rewarded for those ideas. And overall, these reductions open the opportunity to realign departmental funding with the city's broad priorities moving forward. So let's talk about strengthening schools. We know that strong schools are one of our city's top priorities, and great cities have great school systems. Implementing the revenue sharing formula as part of the FY20 budget has been a tremendous success. Norfolk Public Schools will receive an additional $3 million in city support, benefiting from real estate assessment and other local tax growth. You will recall we initially estimated a $2.4 million increase for the schools back in the fall. With the, incre with the increase in anticipated real estate assessments, the formula actually increased our funding to Norfolk Public Schools by $3 million. The Norfolk School Board's adopted 2020 budget aligns with the level of revenue provided by the city. This will allow conversations between city council and the school board to transition away from funding and towards collaborating to strengthen our schools. We value our employees who work hard to make sure our residents receive the highest quality of service. We will provide a 2% general wage increase for all general and constitutional officer employees in January of 20. We will also support a step increase for sworn police and fire employees and market rate adjustments for our most regionally out-of-market classifications. We will continue to maintain a living wage for all permanent employees, and although health care costs are increasing by 4%, the city will absorb the cost. Employees will not see an increase in their health care contributions, and there will be no benefit plan changes. To ensure competitive pay, we will provide a market adjustment for our human services eligibility workers beginning in July. They're essential to ensuring that our low-income residents access the federal and state services that help them maintain good health and economic stability. This budget also supports the second phase of the four-year plan to enhance pay and relieve compression among our sheriff's employees. <clears throat> this budget also proposes new resources to stimulate action around three priorities identified by City Council, diversity and inclusion, climate change, and lifelong learning. A new diversity and inclusion officer <coughs> will focus on creating an employee culture that embraces diversity and will assess current policies to enhance the equitable treatment of employees, neighborhoods, businesses, and residents. A new environmental services manager position will be established to support the recommendation of the Mayor's Advisory Commission on Climate Change Mitigation and Adaptation. That includes taking a hard look at how we as a city can mitigate and adapt to climate vulnerability with a focus on reducing greenhouse emissions. The proposed 20 budget also provides $100,000 to carry out the Lifelong Learning Commission recommendations and to explore ways that Norfolk and its residents can improve upon the city's network of learning opportunities for residents of all ages. We're also restructuring to create two new city organizations. The new Department of Transit positions, positions the city to focus more clearly on a broad strategy to capitalize on our multimodal culture and to develop pedestrian-focused and safety-minded projects that reflect the unique needs of the neighborhoods and businesses that our transportation system serves. We, have, we are committed to this work, providing $600,000 in fiscal year 20 to continue our work on a multimodal transportation plan and $8.3 million over the next five years for streets, signals, and intersections in our capital improvement plan. Additionally, we are creating a new division within the Office of Resilience for the St. Paul's Area Transformation, managed by Dr. Susan Perry. This division will manage the redevelopment and provide oversight to the continued implementation of people-first services. The city is also committing $300,000 to support an independent St. Paul's Community Development Corporation. A CDC will offer expertise in the area of redevelopment and produce the ability to accept philanthropy. The success of our efforts to transform St. Paul's community and the lives of its residents depends on having people who wake up every day with an exclusive focus on St. Paul's. As we strengthen our capacity to do great things within the organization, we're also strengthening our relationships with our regional partners. And in today's reality of limited resources, regional collaboration uh, takes an even more importance and contributes to our efforts to avoid duplicative activities and leverage outside resources and expertise. Some highlights of our regional work include 
The Hampton Roads Planning District Commission, HRPDC, is the regional sponsor for the Navy, Norfolk, and Virginia Beach on a joint land use study investigating the impact of sea level rise on mission readiness. Through its work program, the Hampton Roads Transportation Planning Organization will conduct a corridor study to continue examining the number of trucks utilizing Hampton Boulevard and the impacts of the new intermodal <clears throat> connector. The study will examine safety concerns and excessive vehicle speeds, as well as the role that technology plays in actively managing freight traffic. This summer, the Hampton Roads Economic Development Alliance will relaunch itself as the region's key partner <clears throat> in assisting international and domestic companies with investment projects, expansions, and relocation. And I look forward to bringing a resolution to City Council in the near future in support of HREDA's relaunch efforts. The 20 budget also invests in Norfolk's capital assets through the five-year capital <coughs> improvement plan. This plan continues to reflect a maintenance level CIP while thoughtfully investing in strategic projects. In fact, we're investing more than $647 million in capital improvements in five major priority areas over the next five years. $20 million in school maintenance, $62 million in neighborhoods, $415 million in city infrastructure, including the replacement of Fire Station 11, which is 94 years old, $83 million for the St. Paul's area transformation, and $68 million in flood mitigation and resilience projects. Over the past seven years, the city has spent $160 million building six schools. The city is providing $4 million a year over the next five years for maintenance and school buses, and will review the need for additional support as the schools complete their facility plan. As you know, the transformation in St. Paul's is a major undertaking. And while we're doing everything we can to leverage federal, state, and private capital investments, we are also planning to invest $83 million over the next five years in the St. Paul's area, including funding for roads, water, wastewater, and stormwater infrastructure. This is in addition to the dedicated funding for People First. In addition, we are planning to build a new utilities headquarters building in the St. Paul's area. Our investment will serve as a catalyst for development in the community. This is a big slide and a big change. Strengthening our capacity means we're investing in the core services of local government. It's what we should do, and it's what our residents expect. We continue to invest in the technology, vehicles, and equipment that support public safety and resident services throughout the city. We're investing $5 million in the vehicles and technology that support public safety. We're also investing $9 million in equipment for other resident services, including refuse trucks, street sweepers, fiber optic network, and a new mobile adoption unit for the Animal Care Center. These investments build strength in our operations and our ability to deliver quality services for our residents. Last <coughs> year's tax increase launched this initiative, and this budget continues to prioritize addressing this backlog in a fiscally responsible way. Arts and culture is a key driver of a strong urban economy, and as the arts and culture hub of the region, we strive to provide the highest quality amenities. To continue to grow the city's revenue base and, and ensure Chrysler Hall remains the premier performing arts center in the region, the five-year CIP includes $64 million to renovate Chrysler Hall in the Scope Plaza and construct a new symphony rehearsal hall. This investment, in addition to the $6 million provided in the 19 budget for design, brings the total investment to $70 million. In addition to creating a strong draw for visitors, those re these renovations are also an important part of placemaking. Renovations to the Scope Plaza will, will result in a more immersive experience with additional green space, enhancing the walkability and connectivity to downtown as well as the St. Paul's area. The city will fund $40 million of this proposed project with bonds for upgrades to Chrysler Hall. And assuming we generate $30 million in philanthropy and tax credits, that funding will be used to renovate the Scope Plaza and construct the new Symphony Rehearsal Hall. Stormwater flooding also remains an issue in which we must continue to invest. The reality is we're on our own here. The state is not coming to help in the near term, and financial support from the feds can only be counted on in the case of tidal flooding after a major event. <clears throat> Excuse me. To that end, Beginning in 2020, we will be equalizing the stormwater rates among commercial and residential customers, 
which aligns with the rate structure, rate structure used in other Hampton Roads cities. Monthly non-residential rates will increase from $8.58 to $12.05 <coughs> per equivalent residential unit in fiscal year 20, which will generate an additional $3.8 million. Moving forward, this revenue will allow the city to invest in more projects faster and improve our city's resilience to precipitation flooding. Even with this additional revenue, we have far more needs than resources, and I will be presenting a special service district policy to council shortly, which will allow residents to pay a higher tax rate to advance projects in their own neighborhoods. Residents have told us they value the recycling program, but China is no longer purchasing the same volume of recycled goods, and this is affecting communities across the United States, including ours. After council discussions and input from residents, the city has committed to continuing the recycling program. The waste management fee for recycling will increase by $2 a month beginning in July from $25 to $27 a month. The conversation around recycling in the United States is changing, and with it, our mindset needs to change. This is a temporary solution that will, that will allow us to continue our recycling program, but we will continue discussing what the future of recycling looks like in Norfolk. Just as the budget serves to strengthen our communities and our organizational capacity, it also represents intentional efforts to strengthen our city's financial position. On a number of measures, the city is doing well financially. The maintenance CIP has helped to level off debt service. We've received positive comments from the rating agencies, and real estate assessment growth is averaging 3.7%, which is the highest it's been since the Great Recession. But you heard from Dr. McNabb, at the retreat that we are closer to the next recession than we are from the last. And unlike the last recession, this one does not follow a strong run-up of revenues. Our budget is already right-sized, leaving us more vulnerable to financial stress in the event of an economic downturn. But we are making conscious efforts to prepare ourselves for when that time comes. And this budget is structurally balanced with recurring expenses paid for with ongoing revenue. This is a best practice, and it is important to ensure long-term sustainability. And just a month ago, you all passed a resolution adopting new financial policies. These policies will enhance the city's credibility with residents, credit rating agencies, and investors. And the changes to the policies result in a higher level of reserves, improvement to how we fund our pension liability, a stronger financial position for our enterprise funds, and added flexibility to our debt management policies to allow the city to invest in meaningful capital projects. Looking ahead, there are a number of policy-related items that we plan to undertake. The work of transforming St. Paul's into a thriving, mixed-use, mixed-income community continues to be one of our top priorities, and moving into this next year, our People First team will focus on ensuring the best possible transition for residents in the first redevelopment phase. We will work closely with our new Department of Transit to continue the development of a comprehensive multimodal transportation plan for all modes, including bike, pedestrian, parking, public transportation, freight, and passenger rail. Our new diversity and inclusion officer will lead the way on developing and implementing a citywide diversity and inclusion plan to ensure that all feel welcome in the city of Norfolk. A comprehensive facility strategy will be developed as we take a hard look at the city's physical assets and identify how current and future needs shape the way we make decisions on our buildings and our resources. We will, re we will review the current real estate tax relief program and identify potential process improvements. And we will work with our partners in Hampton Roads to develop a regional public safety plan to develop a common operating picture and explore systems that strengthen the city's excuse me, that strengthen the region's ability to respond to regional, to critical incidents. Mayor, members of council, the budget proposed tonight continues to build on the bold initiatives that you funded last year. We're making good financial choices to strengthen our capacity and prepare for what's next. We are choosing what's right over what's easy. <clears throat> How we spend our money says a lot about who we are. We are making responsible fiscal decisions and tackling your priorities, investing in stormwater, schools, and public safety. We are seizing big opportunities and creating a people-centric multimodal transportation system. And we are re-energizing the arts through a major renovation of city cultural facilities. 
Our strategy of making investments in equipment has resulted in backlog reductions for technology and fleet and bolstered our core services. We will continue our relentless pursuit to make Norfolk the most connected, collaborative, creative, and competitive community. We will continue to put Norfolk on the map nationally and internationally, working with world-class partners like NATO, the Rockefeller Foundation, MIT, <coughs> Bloomberg Philanthropies, and our latest partner, Accelerator for America. We are capitalizing on innovative approaches to living with water and breaking the cycle of intergenerational poverty. Mayor, members of council, on behalf of the more than 5,000 members of Team Norfolk, I'm pleased to present this proposed 2020 budget, and I look forward to your deliberations over the next several weeks as you prepare to adopt your version of this budget on May 14th. Thank you very much. Great. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Thank Manager. You, How to do, Miss Johnson? Do it early. Uh, a little long? Three minutes long? Could you see if Father George is in the lobby? Father George. Uh, Mr. Bennett, could you see if Father George is in the lobby to please escort him in to the podium? There, there he is. Welcome, Father George. He is from the Annunciation Greek Orthodox Church in the heart of of the city of Norfolk. Father, welcome again. It's good to see you. Thank you. Good to see you, Mr. Mayor. Good evening, everyone. Good evening. Good evening. Let us bow our heads in prayer. Blessed is our God, always now and ever into the ages of ages. Amen. Heavenly King, comforter of the spirit of truth, who are present everywhere, filling all things, the treasury of blessings and the giver of life. Come and dwell in us and cleanse us from every stain and save our souls, O good one. Blessed are you, Master Almighty Lord, God of our fathers, maker of heaven and earth and the author of life. To you we pray and to you we entreat to look upon our city of Norfolk, its mayor and the city council together with all its residents. We pray that you will grant them to be visionary leaders with a service filled with progress, opportunity, and growth, and for a bright future crowned with honor and glory, for we are proud of our city and our elected leaders. Bless our mayor and each and every member of the city council with your grace, and enlighten their hearts and minds with profound wisdom and prudence, granting them justice and oneness of mind for the common good as they serve your people. Keep them strong and healthy and speak to their hearts good things concerning your people so that through the faithful conduct of their duties we may live peaceful and serene lives in all piety and holiness. Yes, Lord, hear our prayer in your righteousness according to your will. For you are a good and loving God and to you we give glory, honor and worship now and ever and unto the ages of ages. Amen. Amen. Please remain standing for the Pledge of Allegiance. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Good prayer, good prayer.
Mr. Clerk, please call the roll. Mrs. Doyle? Aye. Mrs. Graves? Here. Mrs. Johnson? Aye. Mr. McClellan? Here. Mr. Riddick? Aye. Mr. Smeagle? Here. Mr. Thomas? Here. Mr. Alexander? Here. Mr. Clerk, please read the motion dispensing with the reading of our previous meeting. Mrs. Doyle? Aye. Mrs. Graves? Aye. Mrs. Johnson? Aye. Mr. McClellan? Aye. Mr. Riddick? Aye. Mr. Smeagle? Aye. Mr. Thomas? Aye. Mr. Alexander? All right, Mr. Clerk, please read the resolution certifying the closed meeting. A resolution certifying a closed meeting of the Council of the City of Norfolk in accordance with the provisions of the Virginia Freedom of Information Act. Adopt the resolution, Mrs. Doyle. Aye. Mrs. Graves. Aye. Mrs. Johnson. Aye. Mrs. McClellan. Aye. Mr. Riddick. Aye. Mr. Smeagle. Aye. Mr. Thomas. Aye. Mr. Alexander. Aye. Uh, good evening. For the benefit of those who do not regularly attend uh, the council meetings, our procedure is to first take up ceremony items. Next, we'll take up public hearings, then the consent agenda, which will be voted on in the block. If any member of the council or the public wishes to discuss an item, it will be removed from the consent agenda and considered separately. Following the consent agenda, we'll take up our regular agenda items in the order as they appear on the docket. Upon the completion of the agenda, we'll then take up any new business to come before the council. To address the council, you should have registered to speak in the lobby of the council before 6.50. PM. When your name is called, please come to the podium, state your name and your address, and please limit your comments to three minutes. We do have one ceremony item. Tidewater Community College is celebrating 50 years. Mm. We're going to ask that uh, <coughs> Provost Emmanuel Chestnut come for Dr. Greg D. Sinkew. Welcome, sir. Thank you. We have a city of Virginia proclamation. Now, read it and present it to you. It says, whereas in, uh, founded in 1968, Todd Water Community College has maintained a tradition of excellence and service to the citizens of Southampton Roads by providing affordable higher education and workforce development for 50 years. And whereas an instrumental part of the revitalization of the downtown, the Norfolk campus of Todd Water Community College has been a continuous source of employment education, culture, economic development since 1997. And whereas, the Norfolk campus offers a wide range of academic programs, including signature areas of study like culinary arts, music, and human services, and whereas, located in one of the most dynamic parts of the city, the Norfolk campus is home <coughs> to the Jean Ann and George Roper Performing Arts Center and a student center that complements the landscape and includes an outdoor gathering space just off Grammy Street in the heart of downtown. And whereas, with the collaboration of the city of Norfolk and other supporters, Tidewater Community College is constantly growing and building its capacity to educate, equip, and mold our region students into a diverse network of future leaders. Now, therefore, be it proclaimed that I, Kenneth B. Alexander, Mayor of the City of Norfolk, do hereby extend warm congratulations Tidewater Community College upon the occasion of its 50th anniversary and encourage all citizens to recognize this distinctive value that a superb institution of higher learning and adds to our community. Give it in my hand this 26th day of March 2019. All right. I'll come down. This is an op awesome opportunity uh, to be recognized in the longevity of Tidewater Community College. We hope to be a partner for years to come, and we appreciate the proclamation that was presented to Tidewater Community College on this day. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Mr. Clerk, I'm ready for IB1. 
Okay, the next item is the receipt of bids pursuant to invitation to bid and notice of public hearing scheduled this day pursuant to state law public notice having been inserted in the local press by the city clerk to accept bids for a long-term lease for a term of 10 years with the option to renew the lease for one additional five-year period at City of Norfolk property located at 112 and 124 Bank Street subject to certain terms and conditions. How many bids have been received? We've received one bid. Please read that bid and mark it for identification. Okay. Old Dominion University Real Estate Foundation has submitted the following bid. Old Dominion University Real Estate Foundation is formally submitting a bid in response to an invitation to bid dated March 6, 2019 for a lease with a 10-year initial term for the premises at 112 to 124 Bank Street with the option to renew the lease for one additional five-year period in accordance with the city's term sheet. In lieu of the market-based rent for the initial 10 years, Old Dominion University Real Estate Foundation will pay $1,077,732 towards the build-out cost and provide the city of Norfolk with a $1 million performance bond. Are there any additional bids offered? No, sir. If there are no additional bids offered, I declare the bidding closed. Is there any member of the public who wishes to be heard on this matter? If there's no member who wishes to be heard from the public, I declare the public hearing closed. Is there a recommendation from the city staff regarding the bid received from Old Dominion University Research Foundation? Uh, yes, sir. Uh, city staff recommends that the bid by Old Dominion University Real Estate Foundation be reviewed by city staff and a recommendation be made to the council at your April 9, 2019 meeting. Is there a motion to continue this matter to the next meeting of the Norfolk City Council on April 9, 2019 to receive the recommendation of the city staff and to consider the bid that has been received? I so move. Is there a second? I second the motion. Is there any further discussion? If not, Mr. Clerk, please call the roll. Yeah, the motion is to continue to April 9th, 2019. Mrs. Doyle? Aye. Mrs. Graves? Aye. Mrs. Johnson? Aye. Mrs. McClellan? Aye. Mr. Riddick? Aye. Mr. Smeagle? Aye. Mr. Thomas? Aye. And Mr. Alexander? Aye. Mr. Clerk, PH1. Public hearing one scheduled this day under the state law. Public notice having been inserted in the local press by the city clerk on the application of Richard Katz for a change of zoning from industrial light to conditional community commercial on property located at 811 through 815 44th Street, and the Planning Commission has approved this with a 6-0 vote. Please call the roll. I have an ordinance to rezone property located at 811 to 815 44th Street from industrial light to community commercial district. Dispense with the charter requirement for reading the ordinance and adopt Mrs. Doyle. Aye. Mrs. Graves. Aye. Mrs. Johnson. Aye. Mrs. McClellan. Aye. Mr. Riddick. Aye. Mr. Smeagle. Aye. Mr. Thomas. Aye. Mr. Alexander. Aye. PH2. PH2 is a public hearing scheduled this day under the state law public notice having been inserted in the local press by the city clerk on the application of James Flanagan for a change of zoning from industrial light to multifamily apartment complex on property located at 1045, 1063, 1065 and the south side of 38th Street. And I have a letter from the applicant to continue this item till April 9th. Motion is to continue to April 9th. Mrs. Doyle? Aye. Mrs. Graves? Aye. Mrs. Johnson? Aye. Mrs. McClellan? Aye. Mr. Riddick? Aye. Mr. Smeagle? Aye. Mr. Thomas? Aye. Mr. Alexander? Aye. Mr. Clerk, PH3. Public hearing three scheduled this day under the state law public notice having been inserted in the local press by the city clerk on the application of James Flanagan for the right-of-way closure of a certain parcel of land lying and being in the city of Norfolk, Virginia. Said parcels contain 3,679 square foot, more or less being a portion of Schumadine Road between 37th Street and 38th Street. And the Planning Commission approved this with a 6-0 vote. Please call the roll. Of an ordinance closing and vacating and discontinuing a portion of Schumadine Road and authorizing the conveyance to the abutting property owners of any interest the city has in the said property of Schumadine Road. Dispense with the charter requirement for read the ordinance and adopt. Mrs. Doyle? Aye. Mrs. Graves? Aye. Mrs. Johnson? Aye. Mrs. McClellan? Aye. Mr. Riddick? Aye. Mr. Smeagle? Aye. Mr. Thomas? Aye. Mr. Alexander? Aye. PH4? Public hearing four scheduled this day under the state law. Public notice having been inserted in the local press by the city clerk on the application of EDC Ventures LLC for a change of zoning from neighborhood commercial to multifamily neighborhood scale on a property located at 8506 Chesapeake Boulevard. Okay, April Murphy. 
yapmışızdır. Good evening. Good evening. Thank you for hearing me. Um, I've been a resident of Norfolk for the last 18 years. Um, I currently live at 8507 Whalen Street. Prior to that, I lived on Fisherman Road, which intersects there as well. Um, before the vacant lot, it was a supermarket at this location, um, which I think was great for the community. A lot of people didn't have vehicles, so they were able to walk to the supermarket and use the supermarket. Now, since it's been gone, I notice a lot of people are doing their food shopping at the Dollar General that's next door to where the vacant lot is. I just feel that the property could be used better for a commercial business to bring jobs to the community, or there are a lot of children in the neighborhood who are getting into trouble uh, loitering, um, vandalizing, perhaps a park or something to bring attend to give them something to do with their free time. I just feel that there are multifamily homes. There are four right beside the vacant lot, and then if you go a little bit further down Chesapeake Boulevard, there's a whole other set of multifamily homes. I just think that the the vacant lot could be used for better things like commercial or, again, something for the kids to do so they're not getting into trouble. That's yes. all I have to say. Right, Mr. Smeagol wanted to make us. Just let you know, there was um, rumors going around on Facebook that this apartment's going there. It's not apartments. They're single-family homes. Okay. That are going there. They're um, townhomes. They're single-family homes. Oh, okay. And <clears throat> what, right, well, my definition of single-family home, it's, they're being purchased. They're they're not rentals. And, oh, I'm, um, I'm misunderstood by the yeah. letter I received. And we, I tried for, um, nobody here from economic development, but for almost mm -hmm. four or five years, whenever Fresh Pride closed, right. they tried to get another grocery store there. Nobody, nobody wants to go. Um, Aldi's, we were, we thought we were close, but they want to be by another grocery store. And the current developers that are actually doing that, they, before they uh, tried to do um, the townhomes. They mm -hmm. tried to reach out to a couple grocery stores and none of them would engage. It's unfortunate this is the retail uh, market right now, but we have been trying um, with that. So, yeah, unfortunately, yeah. And uh, this is not city owned property, correct? Right, so we didn't yeah. have control over right. parks. So. Yeah. Okay. But I, I know I, I helped, um, ho hopefully got out on Facebook. I got off the Facebook page mm -hmm. that likes to spread rumors um, that are negative around the community. Um, but I did uh, contact a few people and ask them to post to make sure they understood that that was in apartments that were going there. I appreciate so, yeah. you clarifying yeah. that. Thank you. Thank you for coming down. I wanted to say thank, thank you, you very thank much. You, thank you. Mr. Clark, please call the roll. I'm an ordinance to rezone property located 8506 Chesapeake Boulevard from Neighborhood Commercial District to multifamily neighborhood scale district. Dispense with the charter requirement for reading the ordinance and adopt Mrs. Doyle. Aye. Mrs. Graves. Aye. Mrs. Johnson. Aye. Mrs. McClellan. Aye. Mr. Riddick. Aye. Mr. Smeagol. Aye. Mr. Thomas. Aye. Mr. Alexander. Aye. Mr. Clark, C1 through C10 will be considered in the block unless a member of the council of the public wishes to have an item removed. Clerk, please call the roll. Dispense with the charter requirement for reading the ordinances and adopt the consent agenda. Mrs. Doyle. Aye. Mrs. Graves. Aye. Mrs. Johnson. Aye. Mrs. McClellan. Aye. Mr. Riddick. Aye. Mr. Smeagol. I just um, see four with the mobile animal adoption van. Um, that's a pretty substantial donation um, to the city of Grant, so very exciting to see that happening. I know there's some staff members that are excited about that as well. Aye. Thank you, Mr. Thomas. Aye. Mr. Alexander. Aye. Mr. Clerk, R1. R1 is an ordinance accepting the bid submitted by Tidewater Communications LLC and granting the said company a long-term easement for a term of 40 years across the city property located at 1000 East Indian River Road in conjunction with the construction, installation, maintenance, repair, replacement, operation, and removal of a private guide, anchor, and wire subject to certain terms and conditions. Dispense with the charter requirement for reading the ordinance and adopt. Mrs. Doyle. Aye. Mrs. Graves. Aye. Mrs. Johnson. Aye. Mrs. McCullen. Aye. Mr. Riddick. Aye. Mr. Smeagol. Aye. Mr. Thomas. Aye. Mr. Alexander. Aye. R2. 
R2 is an ordinance authorizing the city manager to negotiate an agreement in substantial conformity with the terms and conditions of the attached easement purchase agreement for the purchase of construction and maintaining a berm and drainage at 2309 Westminster Avenue in the city of Norfolk for the Ohio Creek Watershed Improvement Project, authorizing the purchase of said easement and authorizing the expenditure of a sum of up to $17,000 for such purpose from funds heretofore appropriated. Dispense with the charter requirement for reading the ordinance and adopt. Mrs. Doyle? Aye. Mrs. Graves? Aye. Mrs. Johnson? Aye. Mrs. McClellan? Aye. Mr. Riddick? Aye. Mr. Smeagle? Aye. Mr. Thomas? Aye. Mr. Alexander? Aye. R3? R3 is an ordinance authorizing the city manager to negotiate an agreement in substantial conformity with the terms and conditions of the attached easement purchase agreement for the purpose of construction and maintaining a berm and drainage at 700 Forbes Street in the city of Norfolk for the Ohio Creek Watershed Improvement Project authorizing the purchase of said easement and authorizing the expenditure of a sum of up to $11,595 for such purpose from funds heretofore appropriated. Dispensed with the charter requirement for the ordinance and adopt Mrs. Doyle. Aye. Mrs. Graves. Aye. Mrs. Johnson. Aye. Mrs. McClellan. Aye. Mr. Riddick. Aye. Mr. Smeagle. Aye. Mr. Thomas. Aye. Mr. Alexander. Aye. R4. R4 is a resolution in support of RF terminals application for the receipt of industrial access railroad track funds from the Commonwealth Department of Rail and Public Transportation. Adopt the resolution, Mrs. Doyle. Aye. Mrs. Graves. Aye. Mrs. Johnson. Aye. Mrs. McClellan. Aye. Mr. Riddick. Aye. Mr. Smeagle. Aye. Mr. Thomas. Aye. Mr. Alexander. Aye. R5. R5 is an ordinance to amend and reordain sections 24 through 25.10, 24 through 233, and 24 through 234 of the Code of the City of Norfolk, Virginia, 1979 so as to clarify the applicability of the tax on transients obtaining lodging in short-term rentals at private homes and to require that any delinquent real estate taxes must be paid prior to the issuance of a business license. Call the roll. Dispensed with the charter requirement for reading the ordinance and adopt, Mrs. Doyle. Aye. Mrs. Graves. Aye. Mrs. Johnson. Aye. Mrs. McClellan. Aye. Mr. Riddick. Aye. Mr. Smeagle. Aye. Mr. Thomas. Aye. Mr. Alexander. Aye. Mr. Clerk, R7. R R6, R6 is an ordinance providing revisions to a purchase on a sale agreement previously approved by ordinance number 47506 adopted by the City Council on January 29, 2019 between the City of Norfolk as seller and EDC Homes, yeah. the turn, LLC, yeah, as buyer for real property consisting of 7.28 acres more or less and located generally at 21st Bay Street and Shore Drive in the East Ocean View section of the City of Norfolk. Dispense with the charter requirement for reading the ordinance and adopt Mrs. Doyle. Aye. Mrs. Graves. Aye. Mrs. Johnson. Aye. Mrs. McClellan. Aye. Mr. Riddick. Aye. Mr. Smeagle. Aye. Mr. Thomas. Aye. Mr. Alexander. Aye. R7. R7 is an ordinance approving a grant in the maximum total amount of $7,762,500 payable over five years to Fort Norfolk Retirement Community, Inc. and authorizing the city manager to execute the grant agreement on behalf of the city of Norfolk. Please call the roll. Dispense with the charter requirement for reading the ordinance and adopt. Mrs. Doyle? Aye. Mrs. Graves? No. Mrs. Johnson? Aye. Mrs. McClellan? Yeah, aye. Mr. Riddick? Aye. Mr. Smeagle? Aye. Mr. Thomas? Aye. Mr. Alexander? Aye. Mr. Clark, do you have any additional? That's all I have tonight, all Mr. Right. President. Uh, first person signed to speak of new business, David Turner. Good evening, Mayor Alexander, fellow councilmen, councilwomen, city manager Smith and team Norfolk. My name is David Brenner, address is 2204 Alperin Court in the beautiful city of Norfolk. I come here today in support of continued curbside recycling at Norfolk. As a growing and thriving city, Norfolk will have increased waste in every avenue from the city government, schools, businesses, and residents. This in turn will require the need to increase recycling and also so that our city or any other cities adjacent don't have the rise of landfills. This in turn is not good for our environment with continued rise in landfills and also not good for our future generations health due to uh, pollutions. From an environmental st economical standpoint, with any city there are budgets and also RFPs for any contract to do business. 
on the economical side, if there is no curbside recycling and the city picks up all materials from residents, this will lead to the city to budget in new trucks, fuel for those trucks, training, hiring, health insurance, workman's comp, retirement for the city to have a lot more refuge drivers. On an RFP standpoint, with any city, this is required, but the city makes a decision on what is best for the residents and city as a whole. In regards to your current recycling company, TFC, I would like to give my personal input and from others in the community. TFC is very active in the community through programs such as Recycling Perks to connect businesses and residents through recycling rewards programs. They go out to public schools to be active in classes for use. They have use tours at the TFC plant to educate on recycling. They give second chances without hesitation to those incarcerated for employment opportunities with a high success rate. They give back to countless charities and they also have their trucks wrapped to show awareness for breast cancer and also for our active duty military and veterans that have paid the ultimate sacrifice. TFC is also active in the community to be proactive with diabetes awareness and also support so many other others and events in Norfolk and beyond. In ending, I kindly would ask that Norfolk could consider continuing curbside recycling and also consider the current recycling company, TFC, that not only does business in Norfolk, but is a community partner that gives back and acts in the cities that they do business in. I thank you for your time this evening and also that you do this as a diverse council for um, and also that you do as a diverse council for all in Norfolk. Thank you for your time this evening. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Brennan. Also, I want you to know that uh, the continuation of that program is proposed by, by the manager, and uh, hopefully it will continue. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Uh, Micah Benedetto. Thank you, Mayor, members of City Council, Mr. City Manager. I do appreciate you continuing the program. Just wanted to share a little story and take you back about 32 years ago to March of 1987. And there was a barge that left New York City with over 3,000 tons of trash. It was dubbed the garbage barge. And that's how we got to some of the present day recycling that we're doing right now. We started with the bin program back in the late 1980s. And that program was not very successful or efficient. We had material flying out of the bins. We had material getting wet. We had litter created in the neighborhood. Driver had to jump in and out of the truck five or 600 times a day. He had to sort into six different compartments. Once one of those compartments filled up, the truck had to go back and dump. They say that the motherhood of uh, necessity is the motherhood of invention and innovation. And we took the challenge and we took it to the level where we are right now with automated trucks, with larger containers, with wheels, with lids. And we now have a system that is very, very competitive at a very, very reasonable price. Now I'm often, often asked, what do we do and how do we do it? And we do offer tours of our facility. But what I really wanted to focus on was the why we do what we do. And I'd like to tell you the story that you may have heard about the father and the son walking on the beach with thousands of starfish that were washed up there. And the son takes one starfish and throws it back into the water. The father says, why did you do that? There are so many starfish here, there's no way we can save it all. What difference would that one starfish make? The child says, well, it makes a difference to that one starfish. And for us, we talk about being in it not to make a dollar, but to make a difference. And that really is true. And as a fourth generation in the recycling business, I'm really happy to hear that you guys are considering expanding the program. I appreciate staff and the job that they did. We do have challenges ahead of us, but we're here. We are an innovative company. We will adopt. We will make recycling successful. So thank you very much for your time. I appreciate your consideration. Thank you. Devin Capo. I have a material to get the city clerk. Please. Uh -oh. 
Hello, Mayor and uh, Council Members. My name is Devin Calpo. I'm resident at 3524 Pamlico Circle in the Norview area, as well as a Maury High School student and president of the Environmental Club there. Today I am speaking to discuss the renewal of the recycling contract, and I know that Mr. Smith, the city manager here, proposed the renewal of that contract. But I also want to discuss the improvement of the recycling program here in Norfolk, as well as addressing the concern with recycling and solutions to those concerns. <clears throat> as of late, I have read and heard online about the concern of some council members, as well as citizens, the perceived higher cost being a concern of recycling. Therefore, some common logic is that, quote, recycling is a costly endeavor, and the company that recycles, TFC, only profits from it, end quote. As a result, the city of Norfolk has considered getting rid of the recycling program, as know now that you proposed a renewal of it. I'll take that statement back. But to parallel the same thought, in 2002, Michael Bloomberg, mayor of New York City, thought the exact same thing and stopped recycling plastics and glasses in the city in hopes of reducing the cost. <clears throat> However, shortly after, the city had to close its last landfill and outsource its garbage to private landfills, of which increased the cost of disposal. Another statement released by Michael Shapiro, former director of the uh, EPA Office of Solid Waste, demonstrates, quote, a well-run curbside pro recycling program can cost anywhere from $50 to more than $150 per ton, while trash collection and disposal can cost anywhere from $70 to more than $200 per ton. <clears throat> Furthermore, to strengthen my point is that Norfolk does single-stream recycling. For phase value reasons, the advantages of this system is having higher participation and uh, saves the city money. However, due to the high levels of contamination, less sorting is done before it reaches the facility. The city itself must pay for the sorting, contamination costs, decrease in quality of materials recycled, and ultimately recyclable materials ending up back into landfills, all the reasons why our recycle system has failed us. Instead of implicating the single stream recycling is to the benefit of the city to enhance its recycling program by implicating a dual stream recycling program because it allows for the sorting materials before pickup into plastics, paper, metal, and even glass so that it is disposed of properly, lowering contamination and lowering the cost of facility sorting. Also, we can implicate a system that is used in Hampton that raises the cost on households that don't recycle and even take it further to apply sort of some sort of cost reduction for those that do recycle. For example, Hampton charges those who do a flat rate, uh, who do recycle, a flat rate of six dollars and ten cents, while those who don't recycle are charged eleven eighty-five, which promotes cost-efficient recycling. In addition, by investing in our recycle program, we can help create jobs as well as programs that benefit our citizens, which creates, quote, from the city council's page, a physically attractive, socially supportive, and financially sound city. End quote. As I conclude, I hope I addressed the concern and gave solutions to the city of Norfolk, as well as demonstrating that this issue isn't just, quote, a rich person's issue, an environmental issue, or even just my issue. It is Norfolk's issue because our community will be the first affected by climate change. Thank you. Thank you. Mr. Devin. Yes, Devin, um, also, I want you to get your folder, but uh, Councilwoman McClellan has some comments so, for you. So, Devin, you're a, a senior at Maury High School? Yes, ma'am. Wow. I'm really impressed. I'm really impressed with what you had to present tonight. It Thank was you. well thought out, well researched, and uh, makes me very proud of Norfolk Public Schools. Thank, Thank you. you for Appreciate coming. Appreciate it. Thank you. All right. Uh, Vivian Hester. Good evening. Good evening. My name is Vivian Hester. I am a uh, a resident of Norfolk. I live at 1916 Arlington Avenue in Norfolk. I am also the president of the Concerned Citizens of Booker T. Washington High School, and I'd like for them to stand. I have a few members here. Um, on February the 23rd, uh, we celebrated 102 years of Booker T. Washington educating students here in Norfolk. And I'm here today, Mayor Alexander, to thank you and your team uh, for everything that you did to help us. Personally, we would like to thank Ms. Aurelia Trusley, uh, Alan Ball, Adisa Muse, the Sheriff's Department, uh, and Councilwoman Mamie uh, Johnson for all that they did to ensure that we had a successful celebration. Uh, con the Concerned Citizens of Booker T. Washington, the Foundation, and the PTA all came together to ensure that as we unveiled our historic landmark that the community, the students, and the staff of Booker T. Washington uh, were involved in it. Um, 
our count as far as um, our last, as we looked at our books, we had 1,700 alumni and friends to be with us during that celebration. And many of you were able to come with us and we, we thank you. Uh, we also would like to thank the school board of Norfolk because they uh, also came and participated with us. As you uh, go through your budget, we are here also to ask that you consider uh, the students of Norfolk Public Schools, as I know you will. Um, I know it's early, but we wanted to get out ahead and, and talk to you about our students. During our celebration, the uh, culinary department, the ROTC, the band, uh, the uh, cheerleaders, and many other students participated in that uh, celebration. It was a historic uh, event for them and for us. And these students were very proud. They made Norfolk Public Schools uh, proud. They were standing uh, examples of the legacy of, of Booker T. Washington High School. And again, as you go through the budget, please consider uh, what figures come from the school. Uh, school board uh, because we want to see our children grow. We're concerned about Booker T. Washington High School, but we're also concerned about our feeder schools and those young students who are coming up through the ranks. They're going to need help. We're, we have some areas that we are concerned about, and I know you are as well. But uh, in closing, I would like to say that we believe, like you, that our students deserve the best. And as you do look at your budget, please consider our students. Thank, Thank you. you very much. Thank you, Ms. Hester. Thank you. And mm -hmm. let me just say it was a wonderful uh, celebration uh, to see all of the alumni and friends and supporters of Booker T. Um, it was just a joyous occasion to, to be there, and I'm glad that I was invited. Uh, Ms. Johnson. Um, and I would just like to say to the Concerned Citizens Group, you did an awesome job because you truly support all of our scholars here in the city of Norfolk and especially uh, Booger T. Washington High School. Mm -hmm. And we have two council members who mm -hmm. are alum, mm -hmm. uh, Councilwoman Angela Graves and Mr. Riddick. Yes. Uh, <laughs> um, Mr. Riddick often jokes, and, and I think, uh, I don't know if he was graduated before I was born or something <laughs> um, like that, but he and I often joke. Uh, about that, but sin sincerely, but thank you to all of the council members here um, in their support of your 102nd anniversary celebration at Booker T. Washington High School. Thank you very much. God bless. Thank you. Uh, Danny Lee Ginn. <laughs> My name is Danny Lee Ginn. I reside at 3844 Dare Circle. <clears throat> Now, you know what I'm here for. But so I decided to take a different approach. Instead of asking you and challenging you, I decided that I'm going to look at each one of you uh, to kind of get uh, to the point to understand uh, why I've run into a wall of silence. Uh, for example, let's take uh, Martin Thomas, our illustrious vice mayor, uh, a well-known attorney. He works for a well-known law firm. And he gave me the opportunity to sit down with him. Uh, I did so, and I immediately gave him the question, what do you think about racism and bullying and intimidation within city council? To my amazement, he gave me the regular uh, Martin stare, and he says, I don't have to answer your question. Now, that was astounding to me. I said, what? He says, I don't have to answer your questions. And I kind of stood there, kind of befuddled, and said, thought to myself, why is he on city council? You know, you have a citizen. He's actually tenacious, but he's very factual. He's not lovable, but uh, he will get in your face. But you don't have to answer my question. And that, uh, you know, that, that kind of confused me. So I sat back, and I pulled out a paper. It was Rules of Conduct. Uh, page 8, uh, Section 5, Part D, and I handed it uh, to Mr. Thomas, a well-known attorney, and I said, I've got this underlined. Is this enforceable under the law? 
Uh, to my amazement, he then gave me his regular stare. He looked at it a minute, and he says, do you want to hire me as an attorney? And I thought to myself, are you really going to play that card? Do I want you to? No. You're a councilman. You're an attorney. I've already had attorneys look at it. What do you think about it? So he played the political two-step with me. So I ran into, you know, on a one-to-one basis, the wall of silence, which is typical for most of you. And I walked in, I ran into the political two-step as to, do you want to hire me as an attorney? Uh, And that kind of, you know, makes me more determined. It certainly doesn't dissuade me and hasn't for 10 years. Uh, I'm still asking the same questions. I've just asked you to be honest, show integrity, and show transparency so I can go home.